better call somebody. I'm back, baby. What? 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 Four out of five top Hollywood movie stars use moment, moment, moment of clarity. Oh, what's happening, everybody? It is your man, Stefan G. And you are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity. Right here on the Promise Life Network. Moment of Clarity. Brought to you by, well, today's, this portion of the show is brought to you by SightGeeks.com. SightGeeks.com. The place where you can find out everything you need to know about your website, SightGeeks.com. Boost your website's appeal in just 24 hours. Get a 77-point inspection based on the four essentials of web development, first impression, site functionality, site flow, and overall feel. Visit SightGeeks.com today. That's SightGeeks.com, S-I-T-E-G-E-E-K-Z.com, because nothing is more important than your site. Now that I got that out of the way. I've calmed down since the last time I was on the air. Last time you guys heard from me, I was talking about the McKinney Pool situation, and I've 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 calmed myself down now. We're back to our normal, you know, topics. Today we're going to be talking about sin, and I think it's appropriate because I just wrote a book about sin. So if you want to know uh, exactly what sin means in your life, you want to be listening to today's show. Um, but there's a lot of things going on in the world today and, you know, I believe we are allowing, and I don't want to call it the media because I'm the media, you know, and I don't want to, you know, bash myself, but I believe we are allowing the world system, let's use that word, the world system to influence what we focus on. And, you know, we can start focusing on Kyle Jenner, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, whatever, whichever name that he, she decides to pick up. We can focus on, you know, marriage equality. We can focus on racism. All of those are extremely prevalent topics in America specifically and in the world as a whole. But all of those boil down to one main broad subject base, and that's called sin. And so I thought today I would spend time talking about sin. Now, I know that a lot of people look at sin in different ways, and I know that a lot of people, you know, you've got one camp that's all about grace, and, you know, God loves you, and you can never be a big enough sinner because God's love is eternal, and it's wonderful, and it's fantastic, and it's magnificent. And all of that is absolutely true. And then you have the other side where you're a horrible human being and you just you need to really pack your bags because you're on your way to hell and your ticket is punched and you might end up there tomorrow if you do not immediately repent and turn from your wicked ways so that God can heal the land. And for me, I kind of fall in between both of those camps. Um, I grew up. Well, I didn't grow up in the church, but as I grew in Christianity, I grew up on the side of you're a terrible human being and your life is awful and you don't love Jesus at all because if you did, you just wouldn't sin so much. And that's where I started. But that got kind of overwhelming and it became a huge, huge burden on my life. And it is actually what prompted me to write the book that I wrote 
Um, and I won't tell you the name of the book yet because I don't want this to be a big, long, shameless plug. I'll tell you about the book later. But it's what prompted me to write the book that I wrote about sin. And then as that became such a huge and heavy burden on my shoulders that I just couldn't possibly care about Jesus's feelings at all, because if I did, I would stop sinning. I found the world of grace and I found, you know, the, the, the world of Joel Osteen where everything's fine and it's all rainbows and butterflies. As long as you just love Jesus and as long as you care and as long as you try your hardest, everything is going to be okay. And I really parked myself <laughs> in that camp because that was a lot of fun. That I mean, I could do anything I wanted to and just kind of ask for forgiveness and it was okay. And Jesus loved me anyway. And to be honest with you, I'm still kind of in the process of pulling myself out of that particular camp, out of the grace covers all camp. And to be honest with you, it's true. Grace does cover all. It covers everything. And it is the most amazing gift that anybody can ever give is grace. And Jesus provided us that gift when he died on the cross. But it does not take away from our accountability. And at the risk of sounding like a pastor, I have to bring out a scripture. Because if I don't bring out a scripture, then I'm going to sound like a rambling, bumbling idiot. So one of the scriptures that really impacted me as far as sin is concerned, uh, when I was in the, and this can be beneficial for either person. If you're in the grace camp and you believe that all you need is grace, you need to listen to this show. And if you're in the, you know, basically if you're in purgatory because you're already headed to hell, you're just waiting on your time, your flight to arrive. Uh, if you're in that camp, then you need to keep listening to the show as well. Because what I want to do today is I want to kind of merge the two camps and and find the sliver of truth in sin behind both of them. I had a friend of mine one day. Uh, we were talking about truth and we were outlining some truths that are in the Bible. And he said something to me that stuck with me ever since I first heard him say it. And I ask people this all the time when we're talking about truth there. And, and it applies as far as this sin conversation that we are are having right now. Whereas it is true that you need to uh, turn from your wicked ways and repent of your sin and ask for forgiveness and so on and so forth. And it is true that you are covered by grace and God loves you anyway, and so on and so forth. But what we're looking for is what's truer, because inside every truth is something that is truer. And so as we search for what is truer, I want to bring out 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. I'm not going to tell you to turn to it because I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 uh, it reads, I am reading from English Standard, not that it matters. Uh, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We can stop right there and read that one more time. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, there's nothing so vile and disgusting that you could possibly do that God would not look down on it and say, yeah, that's normal for them. 
That's how gross we are as human beings. That's how horrible we are as human beings. That's how sinful we are as human beings. That the Bible specifically says there's no temptation that is overtaking you that is not common. Not that somebody has done one time. It calls it common to man. And so there's nothing you've done. There's no temptation that you have given into that's not common to men, that people aren't doing all over the world. And then the next step in this statement, in this particular scripture is God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will always he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, I think a lot of people take this scripture. I don't want to say out of context, but I think they don't read it carefully. And so we're going to read it very carefully. So first, we've determined that there's nothing you can do that's not common to people all over the universe. Everybody does everything you're doing. So no matter how, let me say that to all the people who are in the you're a horrible person camp, no matter how bad you are, there's a ton of people just as bad as you. No matter how awful you feel, there are a ton of people all across the globe doing exactly what you are doing, probably at the exact same time that you're doing it, some of them. And they're just as horrible as you are. So if you're feeling terrible and you're feeling awful and you're feeling horrible, find a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel to know that you're not by yourself. Now that you've experienced that, know that also God is faithful. And when people look at the scripture and they say God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. They always run to the God will not put more on you than you can bear. That's I think that's the King James version that says that God will not put more on you than you can bear. And they always run to the idea that this means God won't put more on you than you can conquer. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say that God won't put more on you than you can overcome. It doesn't say that God won't put more on you than you can outdo. It says that he will not tempt you beyond your ability. Your ability is your ability to handle temptation. He will not tempt you beyond your ability to handle temptation. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to what? Endure it. Endure what? Endure the temptation. Well, that kind of sucks when you think about it. That's not really the answer that we were looking for. We were looking for the, you know, God won't put more on you than you can bear and he's going to provide a way of escape and it'll be all over. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure the temptation. Well, what is that way of escape? My guess, and I've told you this many times, I will say it once again. I am not a theologian. I do not study, uh, what is it called, Mike? What is it called when people defend the Bible? Apo- no, apologetics, right? Yes, apologetics. Mike, that's Mike. He's my producer. I do not study apologetics. I am not a theologian. I am not a bishop, nor an apostle, nor a pastor, nor a prophet, nor a minister, nor a deacon, nor a uh, a presiding prelate. I am not an overseer. I am not a archbishop. I am not a prophetic apostle. I think you forgot Pope. I am. Yeah, I'm not the Pope. I'm not any of those things. But my guess is the way that we endure this temptation. That way of escape is called grace. And a lot of people see the way of escape as God, you know, you're going to, I'll use, I, if you don't know already, I like sex. So I'll use my own personal problem that I dealt with as I was growing up in Christ, which was sex. So we always look at this scripture in the 
context of I'm looking for somebody to have sex with and I'm going to call this girl and God's going to provide a way of escape because she's not going to answer the phone. No. That does happen, and that's wonderful, but if I want sex, I'm just going to keep calling. (laughs) Thanks for the opportunity for her not to pick up, but I'm going to try to get her to pick up. But I I personally believe that in this scripture, the way of escape is God's grace. It is God's grace. It is his undeserved favor. It is his undeserved kindness that allows us to escape from judgment of our sin that makes it easier for us to endure the temptation we can now endure this temptation we can now sometimes conquer it sometimes slip and fall into it because he has provided us the grace that is necessary to eliminate the judgment that comes with our sin and and that's really to me Way, way, way better than the idea that he's going to make people not pick up the phone. Because if he's making people not pick up the phone and I keep calling to get them to pick up the phone, then it's me. Then I'm the problem. Then I'm the problem. I'm the issue. I'm the bad one. I'm the horrible person. I'm the terrible person. I'm the one running around the mountain that can't get out of the wilderness. It's me. But when I realize that the way of escape is through grace and that the way that I endure is through grace, then I understand that it's not. I I talk like Paul. Then I speak like Paul and I say it is not me, but the sin that dwells within me that I can't. It's just overwhelming. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to do with it. I don't know where to do with it. I don't know why to do with it. I don't know anything. And then I can proclaim, it's not me, but it's the sin that dwells within me. And then I can say, oh, what a wretched man that I am. Who will help me? And then I can call out to God and he can provide the help that I need in a time of trouble. And that help is the development of a relationship. And that help is the development of a knowing of him and an understanding of him and a desire for him and a whole lot of other stuff too. As you can tell, the music's playing, which means I have to take a break. So I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back and we will talk to the Grace Camp because you guys need some talking to, too. My name is Stefan G. You're listening to Moment of Clarity right here on the Promised Life Network. And I'll be back in a bit. They call, send letters, email, and visit your home. They're not friends or family. They're con artists, scammers, and criminals. In times like these, it's important to learn how to protect yourself. Credit card schemes, bogus investment opportunities, and free vacation scams are just a few ways that today's criminals target you and your family. Protect yourself. Never give anyone your social security number, credit card, or bank account information unless you initiated the call. Stay informed of current scams by contacting your Attorney General's Office and Better Business Bureau. If you're a victim, reporting the con to the local authorities will prevent others from suffering the same fate. To learn more about how to keep your family safe from con artists and scams, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. 
A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Moment of clarity. It's your man, Stefan G. And I'm back, and we're talking about sin and trying so hard not to sound like your pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean, Mike? I don't want to sound like your pastor. Is he gonna you kinda do though? Oh man, don't tell me that. Sorry. People have you know, people have told me that like probably since I was like fourteen or fifteen yeah. years old. Join the club, man. That I sound like a pastor. <laughs> Join the club. I get like, that too. Is there anybody else that I can sound like? Can you have any other category that you can give me besides pastor? No. Oh gosh. Shout out to all the pastors out there. I do not want your job, just for the record. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to be close to it. No thanks. But we're well, talking about why sin. not? No, 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 no. You have to tell us why. <laughs> well, come on, man. Do you know what a pastor has to deal with? Yeah. Do you know what a pastor, what kind of standard they have to live up to? Yep. Do you have any idea how holy they have to be? Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to be that holy. Well, in fact, I know honest. I know I'm not ready to be that holy. You know, I don't. Much I'm not even to talk behind a microphone. And it is. Let others be do the whole holiness <laughs> thing. I like that. I'm 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 ready to develop my holiness and grow in my holiness, but I don't even want to talk about having to because pastorship is not just about how holy you actually are. It's about how holy people think you are. And it's not about the standard that you actually have to set, but it's that it's about the standard that people put on you. You know, everybody puts pastors on pedestals all the time. And I got yep. no time for that. Uh, I'm with you, dude. No time. <laughs> I give zero. Well, you know how the rest of that goes. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to curse on the show. Not today. <laughs> oh, one day at a time, I guess. Uh-huh. Exactly. You know? Monitor, that, that monitoring my holiness. Exactly. I'm monitoring okay. my sin. Gotcha. <laughs> so anyway, we talked about um we were talking about sin and we talked about the the side of sin where people believe that you're just a horrible, terrible, awful person. And how in that you can develop into a place where you experience grace. But then we also have the other side of sin where people just believe that grace is everything and it, it and it's all that matters and there is nothing else and that they can continue to sin because grace covers them. And the truth is you can. You can continue to sin because grace does cover you. Now, you have to have some type of Jesus in your heart because you have to be able to come back and confess your sin and you have to, you know, mean it. <laughs> you know, you're not just say it, but you have to mean your confession and you have to actually desire to be a better person or desire to be, I don't want to say sin free, but desire to be free from sin. Because people don't understand there's a difference between sin free and free from sin. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother show because that's, that's too deep for Mike. But, um, <laughs> but using me as a scapegoat. <laughs> absolutely. I like that. So we talk about, being in sin and the grace that covers us. And I know, like I said before, I went into a period of my life where I just stuck in the grace and I was going to strip clubs and I was going to other places that 
are not quite strip clubs, and I was going to people who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm not gonna ask. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was just living out whatever I wanted to live out. I was lying to people. I was cheating people. You know, I was trying. I was just doing whatever. But sin covered me. And I did that all under the guise of sin covering me. So I would do what I want to do, and then I would feel bad about it. (sighs) And then I would ask Jesus for forgiveness. God, Jesus. Just because you keep repeating it doesn't doesn't make it more effective. Well, that's I'm I'm telling you, this is how it went. It would go. Oh, Jesus. God, I'm so sorry. God, I just uh I just I I did that a lot too. I just uh I just I just don't know. I just uh can you please forgive me? Can you forgive me, God? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would forgive me. And I go through that whole thing, right? But then Three days later, I'd be making it rain. I'd be like, yo, I got some dollars. Let's do this, right? I think I even invited you to a strip club one time, didn't I? Once or twice, I'm sure I did. (laughs) Probably. So. I did not go, but. (laughs) No, he did not attend. Um, It's more of a germaphobic for me, though. (laughs) These places are disgusting. They have to be. yeah, Yeah, well, you know, not quite what you think about when you're there. But anyway, back on, let's focus back in. So I make this about the strip clubs. But anyway, so I was in my sin and I was sincere when I felt bad. But my feeling bad, my I don't even want to call it. It wasn't depression and it wasn't, you know, whatever it was, it wasn't sincere. I felt bad about what I did because I didn't want to be a bad person, but I didn't really want to be a better person either. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to be a disappointment to God or I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to get in trouble, to be honest with you. That's what it was. I just didn't want to get in trouble. Nah, there's the truth. I just didn't want to get in trouble. And so I felt bad. You know how kids are when they think they're going to get in trouble. They really do feel bad about the fact that they did something that they might get in trouble for. And so I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it over and over and over again. And I just let grace go. You know, I just, everything's covered under grace. And for those of you who believe that, I'm here to tell you that everything is not covered under grace. What's covered under grace is your salvation. That's it. Hello? Hello? Anybody there? That's it. Just your salvation. Zero else is covered under grace. You think that you keep cheating on your wife and you don't get caught and you not getting caught is God's grace. No, that's not God's grace. That's not God's grace. That is you just breezing by. Because trust me, one day you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught. The whole concept behind doing something manipulative or doing something behind somebody's back or doing some, some type of cheating or doing anything that you're not supposed to be doing, everybody gets away with it for a little while. Everybody does. I don't know anybody who goes in and gets caught the very first time. And if they do, hey, kudos for them because they probably never go back and do it again. But most people... 85 to 90%, that's an official statistic, by the way, 85 to 90%, no, it's not, don't get caught the first time or the second time or the third time, sometimes fourth time or the fifth time. And as they're doing it, they are, well, mainly because the first time they do it, they're real careful about not getting caught. 
And second time they do it, they're real careful about not getting caught. Well, once they get to the fifth time and the sixth time, they've started to ease up on their carefulness. You know, They're not as strategic about the robbery as they used to be because they think they've gotten good at it. And that's when they get caught. But it's not grace that's keeping you from getting caught. It's just you're being real strategic, covering all your bases, erasing all your text messages, moving all the phone, all the phone calls off your call log. That's what's keeping you from getting caught. So we continue in this sin, and I want to read another scripture, Romans 6, verses 1 through something. Who knows where we'll stop. But start out Romans 6, verse 1, and it says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? That's the question. The answer is by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So we're doing verses one and two. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And I think the important, uh, I think the important word in that particular scripture is the word abound. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? A lot of people think of the word abound to mean disappear. That's what I always thought. Whenever I read the scripture, I always thought it said, are we supposed to continue in sin that grace just disappears and runs out on us? It's not what it says. The word abound actually means to be present in large numbers or in great quantity. It means to be copiously supplied with. So the scripture is actually saying, are we to continue in sin that we need more and more and more and more and more grace just to get into heaven? By no means are we supposed to do that. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? And so for all of you that are in the grace camp, I've heard them called grace abusers. And I've been a grace abuser. I'm here to tell you that the grace that you think you have is not actually what you have. The grace is keeping you out of hell, but the grace is not keeping you safe from your sin because we will always have the consequences of our sin. We will always have the consequences of our sin. Once we get caught, we will have to pay the price of our sin. And even when we get to the pearly gates or whatever, whatever there might be there, whether it's pearly gates or big wooden gates, who knows? But whatever it is that we walk up to. I feel like I'm going to be disappointed if it's wooden gates. <laughs> you might be. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. There's some nice wooden gates out there. Just white picket fence, you know, <laughs> or one of the little. There's the gate. <laughs> but um, when we get there, we will still be judged for our sin. So we're not really getting away with anything. And I would rather that the people who abuse grace and the people who beat abuse themselves over their sin kind of come out of both of those camps and merge the two together and understand that grace can cover you in your can cover your salvation. You will still go to heaven if you sin as long as you follow the rules for sin. The rules for sin are confess your sins, ask for forgiveness. Confess, ask. Even when you first find Jesus, what do you have to do? Confess that he is Lord and Savior and King of the universe. Ask him to come into your heart. The, the rule for sin is confess and ask. So you're following the rule for sin. You confess and ask. But if your heart is not sincere and 
your spirit is not open, you will not be able to eliminate that sin from you. You will not be able to free yourself from that sin. And I want everybody to be able to free themselves from the sin. I want everybody to be able to free themselves from whatever sin it is, because most of us have a particular sin that we indulge in that drives us crazy or drove us crazy at one point in time in our lives that we really, really, really want to get rid of. But it's just so, so difficult and it's so hard and the temptation is so great. And we just we're like Paul with a thorn in his side. We're just like, will you take this out? And Jesus is like, nope, you got to keep it. And we're like, that's messed up, man. How could you do that? And he's like, sorry, you'll live. And, you know, we just kind of go. I don't know if that's how the conversation actually went. But anyway. We just have that issue, that vice, that thing that traps us and holds us in, in one particular place. And I'm here to tell you that you can be free from that thing. And it's very, it's a lot easier than you think it is. But the first thing you have to do is you have to want to be free. It's like an alcoholic. Before they can get rid of the alcoholism, they have to want to. And I know for me, when I was in the grace camp, the thing that kept me going, the thing that kept me sinning was that I didn't want to stop. I honestly, truthfully did not want to stop. And so I wasn't going to stop because I didn't want to stop. I was enjoying what I was doing. I was having an actually really good time. And so as long as I kept doing it and kept wanting to do it, I was never going to pull myself out. But then there was a moment and there was a time when I came to Jesus and I had one of those, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? <sighs> Jesus, Jesus. I had one of those and something clicked in me. And I actually wanted to stop because I wanted to be who he called me to be. It's not even about, see, what a lot of people understand is it's not even about being a better person. It's not about being a better Christian. It's not about being a better example. It's not about being a better anything because we're all slobs and slovenly, terrible, horrible, disgusting, vile people. Have you seen what humans do? We're terrible. So it's not about being a better anything. What it's about is being who you are supposed to be. And one of the things that I want to make sure you know after listening to this particular podcast is that in order for you to be who you are supposed to be, you will have to free yourself from your sin. And Jesus has the ability to help you free yourself from your sin. As long as you find yourself in him, you can't find yourself in that. But once you start really wanting to be free from sin, once you start really wanting to pull that weight away, that's when you will truly start becoming the person that God has always called you to be. That's when you'll start doing the things that ignite the passion in your life. That's when you'll start doing the things that you love. And that's when you'll start doing the things that make a difference in the world. And that's when you will have your moment of clarity. My name is Stefan G. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.